It's a very interesting thing that almost all Jews and even Goyim that they're drawn to the Kotel. Whenever they come to the Kotel, they feel a certain type of thrill. Some they feel love and awe to the place. They feel the the holiness, the sanctity of it. It's one of the holiest places we have nowadays since the halakha forbids us to go to the, to the up to the Temple Mount. So this is the place that we have. This is the holiest place now. The Shekhinah, since it was part of the... the since the Kotel was part of the Bet Mikdash, Shekhinah never left. If we could see the how much love and all people have for the Kotel, we could only dream about how it actually felt in the Temple, in, in the Bet Mikdash itself. We were seeing constant miracles, hearing the beautiful songs of the Leviim, smelling the incense, the Ketoret, that whenever they burned, the Chachamim said that it made people want to do Tshuva automatically, they, they felt such a connection, they, they, they felt want, they, they wanted to repent, they wanted to do Tshuva as soon as possible. And they, it, it, you feel like you're in the Bet HaMikdash in Yom Kippur, feel such awe when you're trembling whenever the Kohen Gadol goes to the Kodesh Kodeshim and prays on behalf of us in, in the risk of his life that he, he might actually not come out and it's going to be a bad judgment for us so we're hoping hopefully that he's going to come out safe, come in, go out safe the word in Hebrew for the temple is Mikdash Either the Bet Mikdash or the Mishkan. The Mikdash, Mikdash means holy, it means holiness. Also, the word Kodesh. So, before the Bet Mikdash in Yerushalayim was built, we had a portable one, and it was called the Mishkan, which is the tabernacle. The Mishkan was where Hashem rested His Shekhinah. It's called Mishkan Shekhinah. He rested His Shekhinah on it. So, so both of them were, so to speak, the sanctuaries. They were both sanctuaries. Now, the Bet Mikdash and the Mishkan places that of awe and joy Whenever you were there, you felt such a connection. On Sukkot, Am Yisrael bought about seventy, bought seventy ox every every year. Every year on Sukkot, they would bring seventy ox. They would bring this on behalf of the seventy nations of the world, seventy Gentile nations. So Rabbi Yisroel ben Levi one of the Chachamim that we had in the time of the Gemara he said if the world if the nations only knew what we did for them on Sukkot what the temple did they would have surrounded it and protected it not destroyed it they would have protected it little did they know if they would have known they would have protected it they wouldn't have destroyed it now Nebuchadnezzar the, the Babylonian king, he eventually found uh, found it out. By that time, he already destroyed it. He already destroyed the first the first Bet Hamikdash. 
found it out through a disturbing dream. He brought his men, he brought his wise men, and he told them, he demanded them, he said, tell me the, tell me the dream and, and interpret it. They said, okay, we'll try. What's the dream? Tell us the dream and we'll interpret it for you. He says, I forgot it. You have to tell me both. You have to tell me the dream and the interpretation. He says, Habibi, we cannot do this. You have to tell us something. You have to give us something to work with. To, to work with. Uh, what you're asking us, only God could do. So he said, okay, go ask him. He said, we can't. You destroyed the Bet Mikdash. When when you destroy the Beit Hamikdash, that's it. There, there's no, the Kohen Gadol doesn't have the Ogivintuim. Uh, he, he can no longer ask these type of questions, these type of things. So he said, if the temple was so great, why did we destroy it? Why did you tell me to destroy it? The Gemara in Masechet Yoma speaks about another story about Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great wanted to destroy the Bet Midash, the second one, and he went toward Yerushalayim. And so, the people of Yerushalayim wanted, uh, wanted to meet him. They wanted to uh, greet him. And the leader was Shimon Tzadik, the Kohen Gadol, Kohen Gadol at that time, and one of the last members of the Great Assembly. And he was dressed in his priestly, in his garments, in a big dekuna. So they went out to greet Alexander the Great, Shimon Tzadik. Alexander the Great sees Shimon Tzadik, and he sees this man, and he's in shock. He goes out, Alexander stops, he gets off of his carriage, he goes in front of Shimon Tzadik, and he bows in front of him. He bows to him. His whole Everybody that was with Alexander, they looked at him, they were like, what in the world is happening? They tell the king, they said, why is the king bowing down before this filthy Jew? Before this Jew, what's, what are you doing? Alexander said, you guys don't understand, when I go to war, when I prayed that I should be successful, his face is the image that I see. I have a vision and I see his face. And because of that, I'm I'm victorious. Now the Bet Hamikdash, which brings bracha, blessing to the to the Jewish people and even to the whole world. We saw with the story about the seventy ox, seventy oxen. The sanctuary, the Bet Hamikdash, is linked with Shabbat. It's linked to Shabbat, as we've seen. In the Torah, it says, "Et Shabbatotai Tishmeru ve'et ve'et Mikdashi Tirau." It says, "You shall keep my Shabbatot and fear my sanctuary." It's not the only time that Shabbat that uh, that the Torah put Shabbat and the sanctuary together. After giving a very detailed instruction of how to of what to do with the with the sanctuary, with the Mishkan. The Torah says, said, but you shall observe my Shabbat, my Shabbatot. All my Shabbat is more the Shabbatot plural, my Shabbatot, all of them. So, 
why why does it say but you should keep my Shabbat after it says all the instructions it says but you should keep Shabbat you should keep the Shabbat so Rashi explains that even though we're so eager to build the Mikdash the Mishkan it's, he says that it does not take precedence over Shabbat you have to keep Shabbat then you could build it but if the building comes if Shabbat comes while you're building it you have to stop building and you have to keep Shabbat why? well why do you have to stop? this is uh, the one of the holiest places one of the holiest buildings it says because Shabbat Shabbat is also is also a sanctuary but instead of a sanctuary of place it's a sanctuary of time the Shekhinah rests in both rest in the Mishkan and a rest on Shabbat they both bring blessing and sanctity and require that you fear it the Torah explains us that on Shabbat says you shouldn't do you shouldn't work but it doesn't say what type of work is forbidden so since Hashem speaks of Shabbat and the sanctuary in the same Pasuk Chachamim teach that the 39 things that should be done to set up the tabernacle, set up the Mishkan are the things of what's forbidden on Shabbat the 39 things that you do to prepare Mishkan for anything that needs to be done over there that's those that's those the, the Melachot that are not allowed on Shabbat even if they don't feel like that like you're doing any work to it if you erase two words or you write two words or something whatever it is it doesn't feel like work why what's the reason even though Shabbat and the sanctuary are equal there is a certain opposite the tabernacle is made and it's produced by the labor through labor of man whatever it's, it has the 39 things that you're supposed to do to make it to produce it and Shabbat is main Olam Abba. it's a resemblance it's a taste of Olam Abba, where in Olam Abba, you don't produce anything anymore everything's already produced and another way to look at it is that in this world you build basically you build your palace you do mitzvot and you build your Olam Abba but once you get to Olam Abba that's it construction stops you, you can't build anymore you have no more opportunities to do any mitzvot that everything you already built that's what you have just like on Shabbat whatever you prepared that's what you have to eat on Shabbat and we have the story of the Gaon Mevinna how whenever he was dying he was crying and he was and he, and he was smiling he explained to his students he says I'm smiling because I see my father coming with Yaakov Avinu to welcome me into Gan Eden and I'm crying because I'm leaving this wonderful world that just for a little for a few dollars I could do I could do a simple mitzvah of tzitzit I go to the store I buy a pair of seat that's any fabric I want I have wool I have wool for the warm, for the cold days 
I want cotton because I want to be a little more comfortable or it could have some type of very thin material that I don't even feel it and it's not going to be hot even in the hot days you could make such a such a big mitzvah from such a little amount of a little amount of effort Rabbi again one time told the students he says I can show you your Ganeden how? he says because Ganeden is built out of your mitzvot whenever you do mitzvot you do you try to help your your character traits your, your development whenever you do Bukat HaMazon you do Asher Yetzal any type of bracha whenever you how, how you dress how you keep Shabbat you look all these things and you will see you will see your Ganeden you see how your Ganeden will look like if you see that it's Mamash it's holy you do it with Kavanah you do it how it's meant to be done you're going to see your Ganeden how it looks like now if you look at the at the number 39 we could see the number 39 in recent history in the first Gulf War in 1991 Iraq shot 39 missiles at Israel and 39 missiles is a lot of missiles that they expected the casualties of this of these missiles to be about 50,000 but with a miracle there was only one person that was killed and who was this person it was a Jew who went against who made like whole campaign against observing Shabbat now if you have any doubts you might think yeah maybe this maybe that let's compare with another time that uh, that uh, Iraq shot missiles one time Iraq shot a missile at an American Air Force in Saudi Arabia and that one missile that one missile left dozens dead dead and wounded there were dozens we could see from this it's, a, it's such an obvious thing this it's the, the the hint is so clear Hashem is showing us he's telling us to do tshuva and refrain from the 39 things to stop it and to keep Shabbat now the question is do we actually hear it are we gonna listen to, to his wake-up call now just as there's a sanctuary in space which is the Mishkan and the Bet Midash, there's also a, there, there, there's a sanctuary in time as we know with Shabbat there's also the sanctuary in a person himself because Hashem says when he speaks about the Mishkan he says, they shall make me a sanctuary so that I may dwell within them. So, if it's speaking about the sanctuary, it's speaking about a building, you, you would think that he would say, to dwell within it. But he doesn't say dwell within it. He says, dwell within them. Meaning that the Shekhinah, that Hashem, that the presence should be, uh, it, it, can, it can dwell within the heart of every Jew as we see Hashem commands He says speak to the entire congregation and say to them you shall be holy for I Hashem your God am holy this mitzvah of to be holy 
wasn't only giving to the Rabbanim, Mikubalim, or the Kohanim. It was given to every single Jew. Every Jew is commanded to be a holy. Hashem created us for us to receive ultimate happiness, ultimate bliss in, in Olam Abba. He created us to get Olam Abba. Now, this holiness is not just there. It's so great that we can know it's not possible to get anywhere near it unless we ourselves become holy. So Hashem tells us, He says, become holy. So why? Why? Because I want you to sit with me in Gan Eden. I want you to be with me in Gan Eden. He, he, he's saying, don't, don't miss a single mitzvah. Don't miss a, every single opportunity that you have to do mitzvah. Do it. So you can be able to cling with me forever. Be connected with me. You be holy, I'm holy, and we're going to be able to be together. By keeping all of Hashem's commandments, not some that we want to, we don't want to, we this, we that. We keep all of Hashem's commandments. We guard our eyes, we guard our ears, our mouths. We don't speak any bad words or any lashon or anything. We help others. We do. We we say brachot with kavana. We learn Torah, keep Shabbat, and we make ourselves holy. We we ourselves become sanctuaries. We become like the Beit Hamikdash. We become like Shabbat. This is this is all the more true for families in whole for uh, as a whole. Marriage in Judaism, Jewish marriage, is called kiddushin. Kiddushin means like sanctification. It's kiddusha. If a husband and a wife are worthy. The Shekhinah will sit on them. However, if they're not worthy, then the fire comes and consumes them. How do we see this? The Hebrew word for a man is Ish. The Hebrew word for a woman is Isha. Both have the word Esh inside. But you have one letter. You have one letter for each of them of Hashem's name. For the Isha. For the, for the Ish, it's Aleph. Yud Shin and for the Isha it's Aleph Shin He each one of them has a, has a part of Hashem's name if they're righteous they go together well then the Yud from the man from Ish and the He from the end of the woman come and make Hashem's name Yud and the He so together they make they Hashem rests within them. The Shekhinah rests upon them. But if they're not, if they don't go well together, they don't have harmony, they're not Kadosh, then they're just left with the fire. Why? Because Hashem says, I cannot be with them. They're not holy. So it's just, Hashem takes away the hay from the Isha and the Yud from the Ish, and they're both left with just a lot of fire. And without Torah, the home burns, the children get lost. You can't you can't hold a home together without Torah. But a home that's held together, that they make themselves into a mini sanctuary. Every man and woman in that house, whenever there's a the husband and wife, there are it's it's a mamash it's it's the it's the Beit Hamikdash itself. There's a Kohen Gadol over there. Every single thing over there. Every every. Mitzvah done, every please and thank you, every favor 
that one does for another stopping fights whenever you get angry you let you just let go say it's not worth it now, even every meal that's cooked every diaper that gets changed these are all serving the Shem there's no different than making the the incense in the Beit HaMikdash there's no difference and if we live with this understanding then the, then the Shekhinah is going to live within us also within the home so there's three dimensions of holiness there's the time place and person this is hinted in Kiddushah when we say what the, the, the Malachim say but we also say it we say it many times in, during the prayer we say Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh Hashem Tzivakot Morochol Aaretz Kivodo so it says it three times Kadosh it translates to holiness but it actually means to be set apart now the more the time, the place, time and person are set apart the more holier they are, the more restrictions they have the sanctity of the place of land of Israel, the place is Israel it's holier than other lands Yerushalayim is holier than the rest of the land of Israel the Temple Mount is holier than the, the than the city of Yerushalayim, than the inside of the city, the rest of the city. I mean, the, the Temple itself is holier, holier than the than the than the Temple Mount. The Kodesh Kodeshim is even, it's the more it goes inside, the more holier it is. The sanctuary of time is Shabbat. Shabbat is separated from the weekday, and not only that, also the holidays. Also, each holiday goes up. The more holier it is, and the whole and Yom Kippur is the holiest holiday, other than Shabbat. Shabbat is holier than Yom Kippur, but from all the other Yom Kippur, uh, from all the other Chagim, Yom Kippur is the holiest. And the sanctity of a person puts the Jews apart from Goyim, apart from the Gentiles. A Tamit Chacham is known as a living Sefer Torah. And he has to be treated with great respect. The Kohanim are are set up from the rest of uh, they're they apart from the rest of uh, Am Yisrael. The Kohen Gadol, which is even holier than the rest of the Kohanim, also, which every amount of holiness, with every amount of set set apart, that's more restrictions they have. The more holier you are, the more restrictions you have. Whatever is holy has to be has to have a certain amount of fear to it. Has to have be revered. The Torah says, "Et Hashem Elokim Tirau." So it says the word "et" is not really necessary over here. You could say, "Hashem, your God, you shall revere, you shall fear Him." So the Gemara in Masechet Baba Kama. It says that this word is a little bit untranslated because you could have it without it. So whenever it has the word et, it's coming to include something. The word et in this pasuk is coming to include to to fear the tamidei chachamim, to fear the Torah scholars. That's one thing of that since they're holy, they have to be feared. The even in uh, in marriage. In marriage, it says the Rambam says it said a man shall honor his wife more than himself. 
And a woman shall honor her husband highly and revere him. Meaning, he's, the, the, there's holiness in the, in the marriage also. There's holiness over there. So because of that, there has to be some type of fear, some type of reverence. The Rambam says that it's not the sanctuary that you revere, you, you have a fearing. It says it's the one who commanded it that you revere. In the in the in the sanctuary, you should walk with dread, fear, and trembling. You should you should be trembling when you're walking inside the inside the Beit Hamikdash. Back in the day, everybody walked with dread, fear, and and trembling whenever uh, on Shabbat. Even the Jews, they didn't really know so much. They were a little bit ignorant. For the rest of the week. It, it, uh, compared to the rest of the week, Shabbat was. Uh, they felt such. They they were they had fear for it. They had they were trembling for it. Just by the the sound, the remembrance of Shabbat, they were like, wow. Where's the proof come from? It comes from the Mishnah. In the Mishnah it says that whenever you have any type of produce that is grown in Eretz Israel. You have to. It has to be tied. You have to give some. You have to give ma'asel from it to remote and ma'asel and masrot. So it says that on the weekday, if you don't know whether or not the fruit, the 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 ma'asel was taken from a certain product, produce, from from produce, you cannot rely on an ignorant Jew that claims that it was was tied. However, on Shabbat we take his word for it. We cannot take, we cannot separate uh, on, uh, on Shabbat. So the, the Mishnah answers, why, why on Shabbat do we believe him? Why on Shabbat do we believe him? The Mishnah answers because the fear of Shabbat is upon him. He has the all Shabbat. You understand? Shabbat is a very holy day. Now, where, where is our fear of Shabbat? Where do we are we anywhere like this? We actually know that like, we actually learn, and we we're not we're we're nowhere near these ignorant Jews that didn't even know that barely knew anything, but yet they still had fear for Shabbat. Now, let's go and see. How does one have all of the sanctuary of the Mikdash? So the Rambam continues, and he has a few instructions. He says a person should not act act lightly, meaning he should not ha- act like lightheadedness, lightsanut. He shouldn't, you know, do mundane things over there. He shouldn't just treat it like it's nothing. Would we play cards or like start munching on something in the middle of the Beit Hamikdash? Why should we start playing cards and doing mundane things on Shabbat? Next thing, he brings another thing. And he says, whoever, ain't, whoever enters the courtyard should walk slowly and respectfully. Slowly, he says you should walk. You should, you should walk slowly. So, in the Gemara, it says that you should do the same thing for Shabbat. In Masechet Shabbat, Masechet Shabbat, one thirteen a, it says that the same way that you walk on the weekday, you shouldn't walk on Shabbat. You should walk differently. The, there's a mashal that Rav Yagens brings. He says, if you were in the Capitol building in, in Washington, 
and you start running around like you're sprinting around the whole building, the whole place over there. What is it? What are they gonna? Do? They're gonna continue let you run and say, "Excuse me, sir, what are you doing? This is not a sports arena, sports field. There's no running. There's no running over here. Same thing on Shabbat. You don't run. You walk. Except for if you're doing a mitzvah. You're doing a mitzvah. It's a little bit of a different story." And the, and the Rambam brings and he teaches that the revere, the fear of the sanctuary on Shabbat are commanded for all time. And he says, although the sanctuary has been destroyed, a person is still obli- is, is obligated to revere it as if it stood. For it is written, you shall keep my Shabbatot and revere my sanctuary. Vet Shabbatotai Tishmavu. So, it's, so he says, just as Shabbat is forever, the reverence for the sanctuary is also forever. And even though the sanctuary was destroyed, it still remains in its holiness. The holiness of it still exists. One way we could have this is that in the in the Bet Knesset, someone goes to the Bet Knesset, they have to understand, and they have to they have to understand that there is holiness over here, either in the Bet Knesset, Bet Midrash, Yeshiva. When you go over there, you don't act like you do in your house or you do in the basketball field. You act with respect. You don't put your feet on the table. You don't play cards. You don't watch the game in the shul. You treat it with respect. Now, since we have three types of sanctuary, three sections, two, three places that the sanctuary, that we have sanctuary, if any of if any of these are damaged, if the time, place, or person are damaged, the other two are also affected. As we see, it says in Ezekiel Yechezkel 22:26, it says they desecrated, they disregarded my Shabbat, my Shabbatot, and I was desecrated among them. Meaning that the Shabbat was desecrated, so that's why. So we were desecrated. He couldn't stay with us anymore because of that. Yerushalayim and the Bet Hamikdash were destroyed. But the third one was also destroyed. Now we have a principle in the Torah. The principle is that the measure for reward always outweighs the measure for punishment. That even though a punishment is very big, as we see, we does we. Disregarded the Shabbat. We started being a little bit lax on Shabbat. Bet Hamikdash got destroyed. So, so if desecrating Shabbat brought the destruction of the Bet Hamikdash, what would upgrading and actually keeping Shabbat to correct the way, upgrading how we do it? If, even if we do keep Shabbat, we upgrade it. We make it better. It will. Sure, of course, it will bring. The, the 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 redemption finally, and Mashiach will come, and the Bet Hamikdash will be restored, as it says in Masechet Shabbat. In Masechet Shabbat 118b, it says if Am Yisrael would keep two Shabbatot according with its laws, in uh, two two weeks in a row, if they would keep two Shabbatot, they would be immediately redeemed, and Mashiach would come, and we would. There will be no more problems. All the problems that we have is only because the Mashiach didn't come. We're still in Galut. We're still in exile. So, Hashem, we will start keeping Shabbat. Whoever 
is Hashem Elchem is far from Hashem, so Bezat Hashem come close to Hashem, do tshuva, and see the truth, see the path, see the right path. And even the ones that are that are keeping the mitzvot and strong with Hashem, Bezat Hashem should become better and see Mashiach b'mirah b'mein amen.